0: What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today. Here on episode three zero three, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with Liz Forken Bohannon about speaking part time to support a full time business. You know, we talk a lot of uh, speakers who are full time speakers, and this is a kind of a different angle. So Liz is actually the CEO of a fashion brand called Seiko Designs, and in this episode. You'll hear how she realized early on in the life of her business, just how powerful a tool public speaking is. You'll also hear about how full Liz's plate is from being a CEO to being mom of two and why for her speaking has to be a part-time thing. Now, one thing I want you to pay attention for is that I think every speaker can learn from this, is how passionate she gets when she talks about interacting with her audience after presenting. I love hearing how she learned early on about how those conversations were giving her major clues about the key messages that were resonating with the audience. Also, make sure you stick around to the end because she shares one of the craziest interactive experiences that she I've ever heard from a speaker, so you're really going to enjoy that. It's really good stuff. Honestly, the whole conversation is packed full of great insight, so uh, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Liz Fork and Bohannon. Enjoy. Hey, what's up friends? Grant Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speakalab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we're going to be talking with Liz Forkin-Bohannon about speaking, how speaking fits into her world. And speaking is a, kind of a secondary thing for her. And so we're going to talk about uh, what that looks like. So uh, Liz, thanks for joining us today. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Grant.
0: All right. So give us the snapshot here. Speaking is a secondary thing. What's the primary thing? What does your business look like and how does speaking fit into it?
1: Yeah, so my primary thing, my day job, if you will, is that I am the CEO of a socially conscious fashion brand called Seiko Designs. So we um, work with different artisan groups and women all across the world. We have a work study program in Uganda where really, really bright uh, female scholars come and work basically in a work study program that we've set up so that they can earn money to go to university. Mm -hmm. And then those really gorgeous, High-end, beautifully crafted products are sold here in the United States, primarily through a network of women we call the Seiko Fellows. So these are women in their own community who are hosting trunk shows, who are styling their friends, and who are earning an income. And my full-time day job is leading that community and that company.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds like you have plenty of time for speaking.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A really open schedule. In addition to that, I do have, I've got two little boys three and a half and one and a half. So, it's just pretty you full have, on. You're
0: bored. You have nothing to do. You need something to do. And so speaking is the next logical choice.
1: hundred percent. I was just like getting really, really bored and thought, what could I do to fill my time?
0: <laughs> so since you have all of this going, this is and part of what, one of the reasons we want to talk with you here is that uh, a lot of people who may be listening are saying, I, I want to be a full-time speaker. I want to go all in on speaking 100% of my life is speaking. And that's fine. But there's also the other side of the spectrum of someone like yourself who uh, I'm doing something and I, I don't have the bandwidth nor the design. Desire for speaking to be a full-time thing, but I still like speaking. And so speaking isn't necessarily a one size fits all that you have to do X number of gigs in order to quote unquote, be a professional speaker. You can still, you can do what makes sense for you. And that can, you can also change the rules of the game. So if you decided like, I'm done with this lifestyle brand, I want to go all in on speaking. You can do totally do that. And that's fine. And both are acceptable. So first of all, let's back up for a second. Um, How did you first get into speaking? You've got a full-time day job, you're CEO, you're all in on this one thing. And now all of a sudden, like speaking has become a a bigger part of your world. So let's kind of talk through that, that journey.
1: Yeah. I mean, it started probably in my second year, maybe my first year of running my company, my college, uh, the college that I went to, I went to university of Missouri We're having some sort of, I can't remember if it was like a women's breakfast, women in business or some sort of alumni event. And they reached out and they invited me to speak. Um, Now, I will say even before that, I was speaking all of the time. When I launched my brand to small groups of people, I mean, my husband and I, so my husband quit his full-time job to join the company full-time. Long story short, we literally sold everything we owned. We bought a Honda Element. We lived out of our car for six months. We traveled the country, and a lot of what we were doing it wasn't professional because I wasn't getting paid. But it was like any group of people from two to I would say maybe the biggest was a couple hundred. Um, we were hosting these trunk shows, and we were really just sharing the brand story. Yeah. And so I think just just through I want this company to work, public speaking became a pretty powerful tool. Because what I realized is that like, oh, you could pay for Facebook ads, you could pay a PR firm, but man, people will let you come into their space to tell stories and to inspire Mm -hmm. people and to share something with them. And that from the beginning, and as a dirt poor entrepreneur who didn't have a marketing budget, felt pretty no brainer of like, what? I can just come and share to 200 people now. I realized really early on you have to be driving value beyond promoting your company, right? Like you can't stand up and be like, Oh, here's these products and here's how much they cost and here's how you buy them online. Right. Right. And so I, I realized pretty early on how powerful storytelling is and how powerful it is to take what you're doing and not just regurgitate that to somebody say, look what I did. I did this and then I did this and I did this, but really to do the work of figuring out, okay, what did I, what did I do specifically but then a layer under that, what is the truth about that thing and why it worked? And how do I tease out that kind of truth so that it becomes applicable to a broad audience, to the mom who might have, you know, three kids under the age of five, to the person who's running a hundred million dollar company, to the college student who's graduating from college, obviously, you know, know your audience, know the room, but generally there are, there are nuggets of truth that actually, if you do the work to kind of figure out how they become applicable to these different um, people can drive a lot of value for those organizations and for those spaces. And so in the beginning, it was literally just like, I mean, Grant, literally talking about like, we were going to Girl Scout groups. I kid you not. When we were in San Francisco, we had a mom that met us when we were like cold calling sorry, when we were cold calling in a retail shop who was like, I have a group of eight-year-olds that I think would love to hear this. And we were like, but if we were at a season in our business, we were like, yes, yes, absolutely. Wow. Yes. You want us to come talk to somebody. Absolutely. We will. So it was like, we showed up to an eight-year-old Girl Scout meeting and we're like talking about it. Actually funny story. I'm rabbit trailing now. It went really poorly because we were like, wouldn't it be fun to like talk about unequal wealth distribution with eight-year-olds? <laughs> did this whole experiment with like candy and we distributed candy and it basically ended up the kids that got the most candy. We were like trying to build empathy, you know, like oh, yeah. how do you feel about that. And they were like, how do you feel about the fact that you have all the candy and these kids don't have any? And they were like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, that
0: backfired. Happen.
1: So long story long, it was really just an organic way of growing our company. And then I got the first invite to like a more formal thing where they were like, Hey, come do this thing. We need you to speak for 30 minutes. Also, we'll pay you. And I was like, wait, what? That's a thing? Like, I can tell my story and get people jazzed about my brand and what we're doing. And also, you'll give me some money? Like, this feels like a great idea. So, um, that was, gosh, back in probably like 2009. So, it became a pretty core part of our just business model. And we just realized it was a great marketing um, opportunity for our company. And then through that, I started accidentally getting really passionate about some of the core messages that I was sharing. And through that process of like teasing out what were the truths that I've learned in this journey? How do people receive them? What are people in the audience struggling with? And you know, as a speaker, it's very classic. You get done speaking, you have the line of people that come up and talk to you. And I find so much gold in those little interactions where you're like, you start to realize like this really resonated with me or like Mm -hmm. I've been holding this thing really tightly and hearing you say this thing was so encouraging to me or brought such a sigh of relief or that totally changed the way that I thought about that thing. And so I started realizing that there were some key messages that really didn't have, to do with my brand, but more to do with the ethos of what I was building and how I was building it that were really valuable to people. And then my heart kind of like lit on fire for the, for the communication side of it. Of like, Oh, okay. These are really important things. How do I communicate these in a way that's compelling, that'll help people change their minds, that will launch them into the next thing. And that's when I would say I got really passionate about just being a communicator. Um, so that's where I am now. Now I will say it's still not a full-time job. I don't really frankly want it to be a full-time job. What's awesome about that is that in the beginning, I was still saying yes to everything. I'm at a point in my career where I'm like, I have 20 open dates for 2020 and getting to be really selective about where do I show up? What stages am I on? Why am I going? What's the audience profile? How is it, you know, Either it needs to help me build my business, whether that's my speaking business or my, my company, or it needs to be something that I feel so passionate about and like really committed to the work that these people are doing that I, I want to be a part of what they're trying to do. Um, and so just getting a little bit more selective about just my time and my energy yeah. and my... And, and how I'm spending
0: them. I want to go back to a, towards the beginning there, especially early on. And you're going like, there's something here. I like speaking. I feel like it's moving the needle, but like you alluded to when you are speaking uh, in some ways as a, you know, on behalf of, or trying to spread the message of your brand and your company, there's that fine line of, of saying, I want to do something to help the audience. But ultimately, I'm here to promote something and I, I, want, I want this to move the needle for me and my business in some way. So as you're kind of like thinking that through and kind of massaging, like, what am, I, what am I talking about? What's the win for them? What's the win for me? How did you kind of navigate to land where you are today?
1: Well, I kind of feel like with my company, um, I mean, honestly, I think one of the things that I'm learning, and this is not to say if you want to be a full-time professional speaker, that that isn't valid. I think it totally is. And I think there's other ways that you can do this. What I have seen is that by having my thing that I'm doing, I'm actually able to drive a really unique value for the people that I'm speaking to because I'm in the midst of it, right? Like you can give a talk on leadership and be someone who only writes leadership books. It's kind of a different game to say like, hey, giving a talk on leadership and I'm sharing with you this mistake that I made, you know, in front of- Last week. Last week. Right, right. Here, You know, I'm working on a talk right now about how I'm leading my company through a global pandemic and crisis and I'm using the principles of Beginner's Pluck. And I'm literally, I'm writing a talk this afternoon that is, I'm going to be talking about something that I'm literally haven't launched yet. I'm launching it next week. And it's like, hey, here were the four things that got us to this point of this like pivot. I don't even know how it's going to go yet, but I'm giving you like a real time insight into here's how these principles, which oftentimes can feel a little like hyperbolic, a little like, you know, kind of high level of just like, here's how I took that. And here's what I'm actually doing about it. And then hopefully I follow up with, and here's how it went. And so I think really it's less about there being this, um, mutually exclusive, this dichotomy of like, okay, I want to serve you, but I also want to serve me. And instead saying, well, how do I take the thing that I'm spending my heart and soul and passion and brain on and then translate that into something that will be valuable to you?
0: Yeah. How do you view it today as far as uh, what the win is for you? Is it, is the win that, um, okay, we pick up new customers or we pick up new, um, uh, what did you call them?
1: The- the the Seiko Fellows. Oh, the Fellows.
0: Okay. All right. So if I pick up new Fellows or I just get the brand story out there, like what's the goal for you with speaking today?
1: Um, I would say all of the above from the brand side. So just general brand awareness. And that is a harder thing about public speaking. I would say it's the same as any, frankly, like PR or brand building, right? Mm -hmm. It's unlike Facebook advertising where you can say I invested X amount of dollars. Here was my click through rate. Here was my ROI. You're not going to be able to do that. Like it's much higher level. It's something that over time you're going to see that brand awareness build. So it's general brand awareness. I would honestly say driving immediate sales isn't a big focus. Like I don't expect people to get their phones out. It happens, but like, you know, and be like purchasing while I'm, you know, talking. But um, if we can recruit a fellow, so if I can inspire a woman in that audience, who's like, oh, I wanna build a life of purpose yeah. And here's like, I could be a part of this. And frankly, my talk isn't, it's not a hard sale. It's like, this is what we're doing. Um, but v- pretty inevitably, afterwards, someone sends us an email or someone, you know, follows up in the line afterwards and is like, is this something I can be a part of? And that is a huge value because acquiring a single customer is like, okay, our average order, you know, value might be $90. Well, the average value of the a lifetime of a Seiko fellow is really high. And yeah. so it's like, that's a really, really valuable acquisition. If I can literally acquire one or two, that Really makes it worth my time, so that's kind of from the brand side of things. Um, and then again, I, I will say that it's become—I just—I feel a calling in it. Like that sounds maybe dramatic, but I do. I feel like ten years of running this business, I have learned things, and I see people on the reg who are just—I feel like—listening to messages in the broader market and kind of the self-help. Uh, realm that I just think are really harmful. And I just see it paralyzing people and giving them false notions about what they think it means to find your passion and to build a life of purpose and passion. And so part of it is just like a self, uh, for my own, I think, sense of like, you lived this story out as an act of like service. Can you go and share that with someone else? And it, it has become honestly, probably one of the most fulfilling parts of my job is to say like, I'm not just impacting people in the four walls of my company, my sellers, my you know, HQ members and my production team. I get to take that and then give a, just a taste of it to people outside of the walls of our company. And if they never join Seiko and if they never, you know, but they go on to do their own thing right. uh, and it releases them from that, it propels them into the next step. That is very, very motivating and incredibly fulfilling for me.
0: How do you think about yourself as a speaker uh, and the positioning of that, meaning that um, there are people who speak and say, okay, I speak as Liz. I am Liz um, and I happen to run this company over there. Um, Or are you speaking more as uh, I am speaking as a representative of Seiko and I happen to be the founder and the CEO. Um, How are you thinking about that? Is this a a more of a personal brand uh, move for you as speaking or is this more as a part I'm doing this under the umbrella of Seiko to move the needle there.
1: You know, it kind of depends what the gig is. And, um, but I would say definitely I err on the side of, I am Liz and I have a philosophy on leadership and on what it means and how you can effectively build a life of purpose and passion and impact. And I'm gonna teach and share out of the truths that I've learned over the last 10 years of building this thing and being an active, and actively still doing that today.
0: Okay, gotcha. Hey, friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlabcom slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Uh, as you uh, have been kind of evolving over the years, uh, figuring out who you would speak to and what you speak about. Again, especially early on, it's, it's a lot of a, a very iterative process, and you're going, I'll speak to anybody and anywhere about anything, and you're just trying to like build some momentum and get something going. And to the point where you're speaking to Girl Scouts, you know, uh, and giving them candy and getting hopefully cookies in exchange, and uh, just doing whatever you can to build some momentum and move the ball forward. At what point are you starting to kind of like shift your thinking of going like, okay? I can't. I, I can't be speaking to anybody and everybody. Uh, I can't speak to the Girl Scouts anymore. As much as I love them, I can't. I can't do all things. So, how have you over years like narrowed your focus to figure out what events make the most sense for Liz to do on behalf of Seiko?
1: I mean, honestly, it it probably came down to demand. Like, yeah. I don't. Think that, I think at the point where I was like, okay, I just sat down with my team primarily my husband my co-founder and we were like okay what what do we feel like is the amount of time and energy that you can spend outside of the walls of the company where we're striking this kind of balance of you're still here you're still participating this is still your main thing but you're doing these things and some of them are you know helping contribute to actually moving the brand forward and for many many years i didn't really ever have to make the choice it was kind of like oh anybody that invites me well i haven't hit my capacity so i'll just like say yes. Um, And it wasn't until my my capacity or I guess my demand outpaced my capacity. And that's when I started going, okay, what's best for the brand? What are those most valuable opportunities? Where can I drive the most value? Because frankly, there are some times I get invited to things and I I am just like, I don't, I don't know if I'm the right person for that. Based on what you're saying you want to do with this conference, with this series, with this event, like, I think you could probably find somebody better than that. Um, so it's, is it good for me? Is it, can I really, really drive value, um, for you? And then really kind of starting to like parse those, those things out. And then I think just listening really well, I mean, you know, when you're speaking, um, the effect that, you know, it's having, and I've I've been really surprised. Like, I've really, really enjoyed um, more recently, kind of on the corporate side, talking to either like franchise owners or sales teams, like a really more corporate kind of audience. That's been a really big surprise of how much I love that yeah. because I I've realized, I mean, the psychology of sales and salespeople, man, it's a hard go, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, and and there's so much junk out there that I I've been really like it's really fun for me to think about how to translate what I've learned over the last 10 years into like a really kind of just like corporate sales, like type environment. That's been really surprising because the other ones that I like, I mean, organizations, like I think one of my favorite events that I've ever did, there's a group out of Atlanta called Plywood People. And they're just like a group of creative social entrepreneurs trying to make the world better. That's like my people that I love going. I want to hang out with you. I want to be on your stage. I want to talk to your people. I want to encourage them. Those are people, frankly, that I'm like, I mean, you could become a fellow on the side, but you're, you got this idea. Like go run with that. Go be who you Created to be, and let's like cheer each other on. So I definitely have my events that I'm like, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Thank yeah. you for inviting me and you know letting me be on your stage, um, and then kind of some other like surprising ones that have been really fun. And the nature of the company that I'm running, the awesome thing is when I say recruiting, I don't mean quit your job for the most part. I mean we have obviously people in our community who are business builders who are doing it full time. But it is something that you can do. I mean, the vast majority of our sellers, full-time stay-at-home moms, full-time, I mean, we have pediatricians and lawyers and people running their own small businesses. This is something that they're able to incorporate on the side. So it is a really nice thing that I can encourage people to say like, you do you. And if you are looking for more community or more of a way to make a specific kind of impact in the world and be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, this might fit into the matrix of like what you're doing.
0: One of the core things that we teach is that there's really two sides of the equation when you're, when you're, you're finding and booking gigs, there's the who side, who do you speak to? And then the other side is what is the problem that you solve? And one of the challenges that a lot of speakers run into is on the what side, the, the topic is kind of this big, broad, almost vague type of thing. So some of what you kind of touched on there of, of helping people find their passion and find their purpose. And some of these things that like you could make the case is, um, uh, it, who is it for? It's for humans. It, we're all trying to figure it out. But if you try to market to anybody and everybody, you're really marketing to nobody. So how have you kind of found your lane of saying, here's what we do. It is this kind of motivational, inspirational topic. And it's really, it's for humans, but I'm going to pick a lane and focus on you know, this group or that group uh, to, to best reach out to and market. How have you kind of navigated that and figured that out?
1: So my answer is going to be really unsatisfying because I haven't. Um, if I were a full time speaker, that would be very different. I think I would have, because I say this on behalf of my company yeah. all of the time that it's like when I talk to budding entrepreneurs and I'm like, tell me about your dream customer. And they're like, really? Everybody's going to love this. And I'm like, okay, there's a 99% chance you're going to fail. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, not everybody's going to love it. And I believe deeply in this idea that you have to build a product, a service, a brand, you literally build it for one person. You build it for the one person that's like, oh my gosh, I love everything about this. It's literally like they hacked into my brain and they're speaking directly to who I am and I kind of feel like a weirdo that I'm the only one that feels this way and here this brand, this message, this company, this product, it was made just for me. You do that and then you will be surprised of how many other people actually it resonates with. So I think if I were a full-time speaker, I would absolutely apply that philosophy of like you figure out exactly who you're for and you don't worry about the market that you're going to miss out on because you're being so specific. You do that and it's so much more powerful. And I could just lie to you and say that I've done that with speaking, but I haven't. And I think the reason that I haven't is because I'm not a full-time speaker and is because I'm at a point in my career where my demand is outpacing my capacity. Mm -hmm. And so I do get to be a little bit more like, hey, this is my message. This is the Liz Fork and Bohannon story. I will say writing a book has really changed everything. And people say this and they're like, well, you write a book. If you're a speaker, you got to do it. And I was kind of like, I didn't really write it to build my speaking business. I wrote it. Anyway, it really has changed everything because it's, it, when you were asking kind of about, do I speak on behalf of my brand as a representative Mm -hmm. or do I speak for myself? I think the book really shifted me into, no, I speak as myself. I am an author, speaker, entrepreneur, CEO, wife, mom, community member. So CEO is just kind of one Part of that. And I really think having a book, because it's just like, this is my, this is who I am. This is my story. This is what I believe has really kind of pushed me in that direction. And so my philosophy is like, I have my keynote that I give right now. And I have my philosophy of, and this is just, you know, right now in my career of beginner's pluck. I didn't know I was going to have a copy of the book right here to do. No, we're not on TV right now. Um, but it's, this is my message, and this is what I deeply believe in. Here are the 14 principles that you can apply and start doing today, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, literally whether you are the CEO of a $100 million company. I promise that these principles will launch you out of a state of waiting and into a state of creating, And I have done a lot of work of crystallizing that message of who I am, what I offer, what I'm going to do for your audiences. Like I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to inspire them. They're going to have an experience is something I believe so deeply in. Like you can have great information. If you do not give people an experience, a feeling, make them a little bit uncomfortable, surprise them a little bit. I love to do that through humor is my favorite tool to kind of just like, you know, take people off guard. Their brains, like they won't absorb the information. So I know how I communicate, how your people are going to feel, they're going to be really inspired, but then they're also going to have three, generally, depending on how long the the keynote is, they're going to have three pretty practical things that they're going to walk away with going like, I'm going to try this in my team meeting tomorrow. Um, That's what I offer. So I get really crystal clear on here's what your people are going to get. And then my philosophy, again, because I'm not a full-time speaker in my, you know, the demand and capacity thing. And then I say it's up to you to decide. Is that what? Is that your vision? Is that what your sales team needs? Is that what your franchise and owners need? Is that what the women at this women's conference need? If it is, I'm your gal. Let's do this. If it's not, blessings. There's, there's gosh.
0: <laughs> People can't see, but she's throwing things around. She is very I, animated. I talk Liz.
1: with is, my hands. She very tell?
0: much talks with her hands. She keeps knocking her mic over. It's highly entertaining oh gosh, to watch. We're a wreck. Um, I'm so but that's so okay. That's okay.
1: Conversation,
0: Grant. Okay, so let me ask you this: While, while you're you're playing with your audio I'm there, you good?
1: I'm just so passionate.
0: That's okay. I'm One of the things that you touched on there is the 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 importance of 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 doing more than just selling a speech, but selling an experience. What does an experience look like for you?
1: I mean, it depends what stage I'm on. Here's the thing: I always start with the most outrageous idea. And put it out there and dream about that a little bit. And then 99% of the time, I have to work backwards from that. But a really good example of that is, um, so I recently, so last August, I spoke at the Global Leadership Conference. So it was like maybe 10,000 people live, but then it streams to, I don't know what the number is. I think it's like 450,000 people in like 60 different countries. And so I was thinking about like, okay, it's a pretty like traditional leadership conference. A lot of names that you've heard about, like it's, they're very, they've got a really like, they've got some gravitas and it's not serious, but it's like a legit kind of buttoned up leadership conference.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I was
0: Is that the one that Willow puts on? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. And so I was just like kind of dreaming about, okay, one, how do I how do I give people a different experience than what they might experience, you know, throughout the rest of the conference? And I I actually, I feel like they've really, um, that isn't necessarily as true today. Um, which is kind of like their typical kind of speaker, but it was like, okay, how do I kind of, um, change that up a little bit? And for me, it was like, how do I, um, infuse the room with a sense of, um, possibility and wonder and then i also was really cognizant of the fact that this was going to be streaming in i don't even know i don't know 50 80 blah however many countries literally across the whole globe and so for me i was like i want to create something that has like a universal sense that will how do you make a 16 year old girl in nigeria feel inspired and empowered and also speak to the 45-year-old C-level guy sitting in the audience in Chicago, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, what is kind of the like essence of what can speak to – because that's a challenge, I will say, is is like do that. And so long story short, I started out, as I always do, with like best case scenario, what is the like wow idea, and I got this vision of me and my – Um, partner in Uganda, her name's Agnes, so she kind of runs the show over there. It was really important to me to have, if I'm going to tell this story about kind of this life in Uganda, it was so deeply important to me. I wanted a Ugandan woman on stage, and I wanted it to be, I, I wanted that 16 year old girl in Nigeria or in Bangladesh or you know, in the UK to not just see a white American woman who had enough privilege to be able to, you know, get on a plane and start a company. Like, I wanted her deeply to hear and to see herself on that stage. And I knew that I couldn't do that because that's not my background. So getting my Ugandan team member on stage was like my number one thing. And I was just like, you know, and like, how do I do that? That's a big deal. You know, to like, I've been invited to one of the largest leadership conferences in the world. There's a huge amount of trust and vetting and that goes into that. And to say like, Hey, can I also Can this be a two for one? Like, can I just bring a friend along and and have her come up on stage, even though you've never met her? She's, you know, like she's not a professional public speaker. But I was like, I just, I don't want to give this talk without her. I don't, I just, I don't. And then so I thought about the two of us being on stage. And then um, long story short, I was like, the whole end of the talk is about like joining hands and creating this rising tide and believing in the impossible. And I was like, what if we what if we flew? What if we flew? What if we flew? I know it's, I
0: know that. Sounds- <laughs> what do you mean? What if you flew? Like stay like.
1: I <laughs> Got a vision of the two of us, Peter Pan style flying over an audience. Okay. Now this is the epitome of if you give a mouse a cookie, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. are just stages in the world that alone it, it was such an honor and like so incredible. And then for me to come back and say, also can I invite a friend? Also, can you Peter Pan fly me? <laughs> can I brother? fly? And so I, but I was like, so normally what I do is I start with that outrageous idea and then I start working out the kinks and I'm like, okay, audience, budget, logistics. And normally I have to like scale it back. But I was like, you know what? It's one of the largest leadership conferences in the world. I know they have the budget. Mm-hmm. know they have the resources and the capacity to do it really really well um it feels like a i've never been so scared in my entire life grant because it's like that also feels like a huge risk like it's either going to be awesome
0: yeah
1: or it's going to be really bad
0: yeah yeah
1: it's either going to be one of the highlights if they say yes of my entire career or it's going to be one of the most humiliating mortifying moments like can you imagine giving a keynote that for whatever reason just like isn't really landing yeah. And at the end of it you're just like,
0: i have to fly
1: people <laughs> and half of them are like on their phones like not paying attention to you and it's like it's too late to abort the mission right. i had nightmares about this for weeks before i even like pitched it to them yeah but then long story short i pitched it to them and i was like listen we got to create an experience like people have information at their fingertips." Literally, they can get online. They could watch TED Talks until they die. Like, we don't need more information and content. What you are doing is trying to create a cohesive experience where people come, they're together, they're learning in the context of community. Something happens that creates a feeling in them, and then they're able to absorb that information. Like, that is going to drive so much value for your organization, and I want to do that for you. They're like, yes, of course, amazing. Yes, that's exactly what we want to do. And they're like... What do we need, you know, what do we need to do for you to do that? And I'm like, I just need, um, a pulley and some ropes would <laughs> be awesome, you know? <laughs> and they were amazing. It was so fun to work. Well, I will so say you it- did it. Grant. I did it.
0: Come on now. It. It's like yeah. Aladdin Jasmine um,
1: flew over 10,000 people live in an audience. Like I was wearing a harness underneath my clothes the entire time. I brought her on the stage at the end. She shared a little bit. And then here's, here's the playing to your audience part, right? So I'm like, oh my God, there's going to be like, you know, a 20 year old girl in Kenya who's going to see Aggie like flying across this global stage. But then I was like, but what about, what about my 50 year old CEO in the audience? Like my, how, what am I doing? So then I brought in what just felt like the safest way to loop in that target demographic while making it a play on the Mighty Ducks, right? So my book is called, my book is called Beginner's Pluck. And so at the very own, Aggie and I have this very like, you know, touching, we're these partners, these young women who are building this company alongside one another. And so then I end the talk with, I'm like, you know, as the very inspirational, um, you know, guru. And then I show a picture of Emilio Estevez in, in Mighty Ducks. And then everybody's just super confused. Of right. like
0: Where's this going?
1: We just wanted to like this global like sisterhood and community and like now we're talking about the mighty ducks and I was
0: yeah.
1: like as Coach Bombay said, like duck or ducks fly together. And everyone's like, and but you can see, you can see the sports analogy is starting to land with some of the dudes in the audience and they're like, <laughs> all right, I'm in, what are we talking about? And then I was like, but I think what he meant to say was plucks fly together. And then the music comes in. By the way, the Global Leadership Summit, they were the dream partner for this dream. They like literally composed a completely custom score for no it. Way. Oh my gosh, they were incredible. They were such, such a fun dream partner in this. So, this like custom score comes in, and then, you know, I, and then we do the whole thing of like, I can't remember it now, but you know, when the sky gets dark and the wind blows hard. And then the really risky moment where I bring the audience in and I, it's where, this is where we're either going to sink or swim. Right. And I'm like, plucks fly together. And you know, when, when, and when you think, just when you think everything's going to break apart, the whole locker room spiel. So now it's like, you know, anybody who was either born in the eighties or who's like, you know, like sports fan, they're all totally in it now. And so we do the whole thing. And then at the last, at the last like locker room kind of spiel, then just Aggie and I like lift up off the ground.
0: (laughs) Amazing.
1: And then you think that's the end. And then they like release us and we go across the audience. And it was just, oh my gosh, Grant, it was literally, it was, it ended up being one of the highlights of my career to be flying above the audience, specifically with Aggie. It just was so, it was so special and it did exactly what i dreamed and hoped it would it created this sense of just like whimsy and wonder and like hey changing the world and like i'm dealing with heavy stuff like literally five minutes before i'm telling you that the average young woman in this area of the world is married by the age of 13 and sometimes as early as nine right like really heavy hard things like what are we as humans gonna do about the fact that nine-year-olds are being married off against their will Mm -hmm. And I want there to be a sense of invitation and of whimsy and of wonder that it's not like I'm beating you over the head and saying, you go, you have to change this. This is so bad. And instead saying, look what we get to do. When we, when we enter into these hard things about the world and about how it works and about power and who has it and who doesn't, it's heavy, hard, really sad stuff but like, we get to be a part of it. We get to see the beauty that emerges when we co-create together and when we imagine a better world. And then to align that with something that visually in the music and the you know, kind of funny, funky part of Emilio Estevez, you walk away feeling like, I could be a part of something like that as yeah. opposed to like, I suck and the world is such a bad place and I'm just yeah. contributing to how much it sucks and like, I should probably be a better person. That's not effective. Like people don't no. learn shame and guilt. People learn and they grow when they're inspired and when they feel invited into a better way of doing things. And that's what I wanted to do.
0: Please tell me you have video of this that we can watch.
1: Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a Global Leadership Summit, so it's like good video. They do everything with like such... Yeah. Excellent. And again, it's a you know you got to know your audience. Like I'm not asking the like 200 gig alumni you know thing to like, hey, can I fly across your stage? But it right. was like if they had the resources. It was just a matter on of selling them on the risk and that the reward. Re I really believed would outweigh the risk. Yeah. Um. And so it was more a matter of me being able. But again, it was like I couldn't. That would be a really good example of like I can't go to them and say. <clears throat> Hey, I have this personal bucket list dream that yeah. I want to apply across the state. Seems like you have the resources to do that. That's not compelling. Yeah. <clears throat> and they stupid to say, like, yeah, you can do that. Instead, it's about, hey, here's where I see your organization. And I think as a speaker, if you can do this, I think part of it is like, I'd grown to really love. That team and the people that were putting on this event, I knew their heart for the people that were there and I wanted to partner with them. It was like, I see the vision of what you're trying to do and I think I can add value. It's going to be risky and I need you to just trust me and like go. And I even told them, I think when I initially wrote them the email, I was like, give yourself a few days. Like, don't I don't need an answer immediately. Like, In our company, we have what we call magic wand sessions. And it's when you put an idea out there and you, you say before the meeting starts that this is a magic wand meeting. This is not a logistical meeting. This is not a how meeting. This is a wow meeting. And when you present your idea to the team, part of the rules of a magic wand meeting is that every single person after you like, you know, say your spiel leans in and they look at you and they go, wow. And that's, all they're allowed to say. They can't ask, how do we have the budget for that? They can't remind you of that time that we tried it and it failed. You just have to sit in the like, if everything could happen, like, you know, just like, wouldn't that be neat? And I just deeply believe, I have a chapter in my book called How Before the Wow, or maybe it's called Stop, Drop, and Wow, I can't remember. It's been too long. But we have to give ourselves time to let the wow set in before we start thinking about the logistics and the how because if you don't give time for the how to really take root the reward gets minimized and the risk gets maximized right yeah. because you didn't give yourself the time and so i even told the gls team i was like just just like i'm asking you just for a few days just don't think about an answer i don't need an answer let's not talk about budgets let's not talk about logistics let's talk about how incredible it would be if we pulled this off and bringing people into that, you know? And so, um, I think as a speaker, if you can truly partner with your clients and say like, Hey, what are you trying to do? And what do I have to offer? And how can I help you move the needle forward? Um, that that type of like partnership and relationship goes a really long way.
0: Very well said, Liz. This has been uh, incredibly interesting and fascinating. Um, <laughs> so, if people want to find out more about you and and what you're up to and check out the book, where can we go?
1: Uh, you can go to um, LizBohannon. Co.
0: You're going to need to spell that.
1: L I Z B is in boy O H A N is a Nancy N is a Nancy O. N as in nancy which took me like four years to learn how to spell after i got married for the record so Lizbohannon.co. um you can check out my company and the work that we're doing over there at seiko that's even more difficult to spell s-s-e-k-o designs.com and you can find me and my company on all the socials
0: beautiful liz thanks for the time we appreciate it
1: yeah thanks so much grant
0: All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps helps other people to find the show. Listen, we we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. we got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.